An explanation should be made at this point that, although minor additions to the text were made to enhance its readability, no facts were altered. Any mistakes or misrepresentations resulting from these changes are solely the responsibility of the editor. Leon Michaels, July 17, 2011 Will Chama Interview, Alamosa, Colorado, March 18, 1938 Begin Transcript Session 1 Is your machine running? Should I start? All right. Well, when we talked about this last night, you said you wanted to hear everything I knew about the Tinto War. Since I was right in the thick of most of it, that's going to be quite a bit. So I hope you've got enough of those recording discs in your satchel there. I probably also ought to warn you not to expect too much in the way of unparalleled feats of daring or fast-draw shootouts like they publish in the weekly pulps, because it wasn't like that. No, it was exciting enough, especially to those of us who survived the damn thing, and it was about as gritty as you'd want, as gritty as sand kicked in your eyes at times. It was pretty bloody, too. But I'll swear that when I look back on it, I'm not sure there were any real heroes to come out of that affair, unless you lived through it, which I guess was accomplishment enough for most of us. I came into the fray late, not even aware that it had been brewing for some time. So I guess for me the Tinto War didn't start until that day in early March, when I came back from what turned out to be my Last weekly run to the flats. You know this was down in Texas, right? And that I was working for a man named Randall Kellams, who owned the Red Devil Salt Works. I was one of three drivers, mule skinners, we were called back then, who hauled salt from the Tinto Flats to Kellams' processing plant on the Texas side of the Rio Grande. Although a lot of people will tell you that it was Randy Kellums, who put Rio Tinto on the map, that boast tends to ignore the fact that the original village, the one down by the river that we called Old Town, had been around for a good many decades before the first Anglo ever showed up in the Tinto Valley. On the other hand, if what those folks are talking about is Kellums' impact on both the town and the flats, then they've got a valid claim. Up until Kellums got there, sometime late in 1877, Rio Tinto wasn't much more than a few dozen mud huts perched on the banks of the Rio Grande like a bunch of brown-shelled turtles sunning themselves on the low bench above the river. The village of Rio Tinto had just two reasons for existence. The first was the ferry that spanned the Rio Grande there, a rickety craft only slightly safer than trying to cross over in a rusty bucket. The second was its proximity to the Tinto Salt Flats. It was the flats that brought Kellums to the valley, and which eventually led to what folks called the Tinto War. So I guess when you think about it, you could also make the argument that it was Randy Kellums who just about took Rio Tinto off the map. Sure as hell, for better or worse, 
he changed that town forever. Anyway, for me it all started that day in early March of 1880, coming in from the flats with a load of unprocessed salt. In those days, coming into Rio Tinto from the east was like stepping out of a furnace, only to discover that the floor beneath you had been ripped away, dropping you into the cool basement. It was thirty-five miles, two days by wagon, of sun-blasted boredom, from the flats to the top of the bluffs overlooking the town, followed by fifteen minutes of belly-flipping exhilaration. When I first started driving for Kellams, my heart would kind of scramble up in my throat whenever I got near enough to the top of the bluff to see all that empty space stretching out in front of me. The road just kind of all of a sudden ended. Or so it